I love this scene of God making a covenant with Abram. It starts with the promise that Abram's descendants will be as numerous as the stars. And Abram's response is to put his faith in the Lord. Okay, he believes it. Part two is the gift of the land from Egypt to the southwest to the Euphrates in the northeast. This is roughly the equivalent of saying, I'm giving you the entire state of New Jersey from the Delaware border up to the Hudson River. Suddenly, Abram wants some documentation. How am I to know that I shall possess it? It's almost like he's asking God for the deed to the property. Instead, God gives Abram a shopping list and asks for a sacrifice. After this business with the split carcasses and the spooky fire, God repeats his proclamation that Abram and his descendants will receive all this land. What God somehow neglected to mention was that there were people already living in those lands, and Abram and his descendants would spend the next 600 years fighting with the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephraims, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. This covenant did not mean that God was going to make life easy for Abram's descendants. I think the moral of that story, or one of them anyway, is that direct encounters with Almighty God are fraught with complications and dangers that we can't anticipate. Because God is all-knowing and all-powerful and perfectly loving and perfectly merciful, we are not really equipped to chat with him directly. This was certainly the case on the Mount of the Transfiguration when Jesus took his best friends up the mountain for an encounter with Moses, Elijah, and ultimately with the voice of God himself. Poor Peter is so dazzled by the appearance of these two patriarchs that he starts babbling about setting up tents, as if what Moses and Elijah want most are condos on Mount Tabor. I mean, the view is impressive, I've seen it, but it's all desert everywhere you look. It's not heaven. Finally, Peter is interrupted by the voice of God himself telling him to shut up and listen. And at last, Peter falls silent. Now, this scene should remind you a bit of the scene of Jesus' baptism, where a similar voice spoke from a similar cloud and with a similar message. Similar, but not identical. At the Lord's baptism, the voice is addressed to Jesus himself, and it says, You are my beloved Son. But here, the voice says, This is my beloved Son, addressing Peter, James, and John. As if it were not enough to see Jesus aglow with the light of heaven, conversing with the personification of the law and the prophets, Peter, James, and John must have been terrified to hear God's direct voice, a voice that their religious tradition said would kill them to hear it. 
But they did not die, at least not in that moment. Instead, they did what they were asked and listened to him. What a great idea. You have before you the greatest religious teacher of all time, God's own son. Maybe this is a good opportunity to listen. I think that's a really important lesson for this season of Lent, when we are supposed to be praying more and more intensely. I think we'd all be better off by Easter if we use this Lent not to ask God for more favors, not to throw up more of our praises, and not even to spend more time apologizing for our faults and our sins. Maybe we could use our additional prayer time this Lent to listen to him. I sometimes think we spend too much of our prayer like Abram, bargaining with God and demanding proofs of his love, or like Peter, kissing up and demonstrating our devotion with offers to build useless and unnecessary structures to safely contain the wild energy of the law, the prophets, and God's own son. But what if we just listened? What if we silenced our chattering minds, quieted our insecure egos, and sat in silence, opening our hearts for the stirrings of the Holy Spirit? If you're not good at silence, and today most of us aren't, maybe listen to Jesus by spending time reading his words in the Gospels. Especially these days when we are enveloped by cloud and shadow, and when the Jesus we know can be hard to see, we need to pay more attention to that voice that reminds us This is my beloved son. Listen to him.